Welcome back, friends, to the Smoke Signals podcast. Since the last time we spoke, a lot has changed. A lot changed over the final weekend of regular season of baseball in 2020. I'm Justin Ladd, joined by John Fanta. John, when we last spoke, man, things have been different. Uh, the Indians had just finished shaking off an eight-game losing streak after beating the Tigers 10-3 to uh, and missed the Jose Ramirez having a ridiculous September where he won Player of the Month honors. Uh, he had 366, 453, 851 with nine doubles, 10 homers, and 24 RBI um, in the final month. The Indians had five come-from-behind wins this week in the final week of the season. What a what a crazy final week. The things that had to happen, John, at one point it was – on the last day of the season, the Indians either could have gone to Minnesota, Oakland, or Chicago, or they could have hosted New York or Toronto, which they're hosting New York. What – did you see anything like this final week coming? No, did not see it coming, and that's what makes it that much more special. And the biggest reason why it happened is the little man who has the biggest of presences on this Cleveland Indians team, and that is Jose Ramirez, Justin. He's been the story not only of this team but of baseball. And that's why he was named the American League Player of the Month. You, you think about what he did in September, a 366, 453, 841 slash line, a 1.294 OPS with 10 homers, 24 ribbies. You know, this is a guy who is a man of few words, but he has the confidence of a giant. He's just amazing in his approach to the game. Relentless. And when you have a guy like that on your team, he's the type of player that when the national media and when people are talking about the fact of, well, when Francisco Lindor could very well be out of town if it's after this season or after the following season, if they ride it out, that that the window suffers and whatnot. Well, Jose Ramirez, as long as he's a Cleveland Indian, Justin – with this kind of pitching, you feel like you have a chance. Why? Because he willed this offense over the past week and change. He turned it on, and it hasn't shut off. And he single-handedly at times was willing the Indians, all starting with that walk-off win with the White Sox last week. I mean, that was just incredible what he was able to do. And, and I just look at what he's doing right now. And I look at the fact that the Indians are 29 and six when they hit the three run mark. That is a success. That's a formula for success. So all it takes sometimes is one or two guys when you have the kind of pitching Cleveland does. And right now, the Indians enter the postseason with arguably the most valuable of any players in the game because he's hot, he's got a swagger. And as Sandy Alomar said, Jose Ramirez. His bat-to-ball, it's exceptional. And he has a great knack for staying disciplined at the plate, even when he's riding a hot streak. So credit to Ramirez, because that's the reason why the Indians are hosting a playoff series. He is absolutely the first reason why. He did care. He ends up this year with a uh, career-best 163 weighted runs created plus mark. He hits 292, which is the third-best batting average of his career. Uh, 607 slugging is his best slugging percentage of his career. 
17 homers, 10 stolen bases. He just filled up the stat sheet. I mean, unbelievable season. You're right. As long as he's here, the Indians have a chance with this pitching because he's a building block. He is a cornerstone you can build around. And um, you say he's a man of few words, but you know what? <laughs> when the cameras are off, I think he's a little bit louder. I think you can see in the dugout, he's not quiet. When the cameras are on, you know, he's a little more reserved. But when the, when the cameras aren't around, you see him in the dugout and he's not attached to a microphone. Uh, the guy is buzzing. He is the energy of that clubhouse. Francisco Lindor might be the guy everyone talks to for, you know, the, the words. But when it comes to the energy of that clubhouse, it is Jose Ramirez. And it started for him uh, breaking out of this, this losing streak they were on. They, so they, they go from the eight-game losing streak. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on the last week of the season. I know it was an epic week last week. But obviously, this podcast is about breaking down Indians and Yankees. But real quick, I thought it was important just to kind of go over the final week the Indians had, John, because it did start with Ramirez. He has two home runs in that 10-3 to win over Detroit to snap the eight-game losing streak. Um, and then Zach Plesak throws seven two-thirds innings against the Tigers the next night with 11 strikeouts. And the only run the Indians score is the sack fly of Lindor bringing into line of the Shields of all people. The next night out, they lose 5-2. to two. Phil Maton allowed four runs. Tristan McKenzie only allowed one run over four innings, but his velocity dropped down to 90. So that was a little bit concerning. Yeah. Uh, the next night out, they won seven to four. Carrasco had seven strikeouts in 11 innings at 94.9 miles an hour average for the game. It was the best velocity in a single game for Carlos Carrasco since 2018. And it was Jose Ramirez's second two homer game of that series. The 21st, four runs off of Dane Dunning uh, led him to a seven to four win. And then, on Tuesday, the Magic started. Ninth, uh, September 22nd, Phil Maton gave uh, two runs in the, in the 10th inning, and uh, Jose Ramirez had a 3-1 walk-off homer that sent the Indians in uh, clinching a playoff spot. Um, the next night, it was a 2-2 game in the ninth. Shane Bieber's final start of the season, 10 strikeouts and five innings pitched. Jordan Luplo hit a walk-off homer. The next night, it got even crazier. John, the next night, they were down four runs in the seventh inning, and they had three straight pinch hitters. Uh, Josh Naylor, Tyler Naquin, and, Tyler, and Mike Freeman all had base hits to, to pinch hit, and Cesar Hernandez and Jose Ramirez did the heavy lifting after that with the single and a double to give them the lead. That, to me, was the second most probable comeback. Um I don't know. You know what? The next night might have been more un- improbable because the next night against Pittsburgh on Friday, they're down three to one in the ninth inning, and uh, Tyler Naquin draws a walk. It was his fifth walk all season. Jordan Luplo doubles off a right-handed pitcher. He had a 5.58 OPS off a right-handed pitching this year, and then the line of the Shields ties yeah. the game of all people. And then Cesar Hernandez doubles, which that wasn't a surprise. And then uh, you know Savali has a bad day on Saturday. He got roughed up. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that as we go on the podcast. I don't, I, he had a bad, bad final couple starts, but, um, just looking at the exit velocity and the average on balls in play, I think Savali had some bad luck in the month of September, um, mixed in with, uh, some sequencing issues. So I'm not too concerned with him. And then finally on the final day of the season, the Indians are down six to two, um, after making two errors, Santana, it's a three-run homer, or I'm sorry, has a three hits, a two-run homer, and the go-ahead double, and, Ho- and Framil Reyes uh, hits a three-run homer. So the Indians go eight and two over their final ten games with five come from behind or walk-off wins. Just real quick, John, before we move into the playoffs, 
Um, how important was that stretch for them? And, and what do you make of that final oh, stretch? Oh, it is the most important stretch of the season. It's the best baseball they've played. And certainly you don't want to have to be coming from behind. What I point to is the final five wins of the Indian season came by two runs or less. So, look, they're, they found their flair for the dramatic. It's been a staple of Indians teams in the past, Justin, that they, they find some magic. You know, the 2017 team, by dominating the way they did on their winning streak, they were just bludgeoning teams like we've talked about before that when they started to get into close games with the Yankees in that ALDS, I actually thought that there were some after effects of just dominating teams on their run of September. So I look at, at the Indians, they're as battle-tested as any team in baseball. You know, they don't have their Hall of Fame manager and are not going to have their Hall of Fame manager, and he matters in all these types of situations. And the Indians have definitely felt like at times that they've been missing Terry Francona throughout this 60-game sprint, and rightly so. But I thought that last Tuesday, when Chicago goes up 3-1 to one in, in the 10th, so many times this year, if the Indians fall behind late in the game, they, they don't come back from that. They have not been a team that comes back and fights through that adversity. And the White Sox have had some major struggles against the Indians, you know, going 0-8 against the Indians when the Indians just score. But that's a game that, that's shifted everything. Everything, you know, Chicago just had to win two games, I believe, on their last 10 to secure at least second place. And they only won one time. And so I, what I point to in these final games is just this team believed and we have not seen that belief. And it really hit me on Thursday because that's a game that you're down four runs in. And you're in the seventh inning with Naylor, Naquin, and Freeman. This has been a back half of the lineup this season that's been pretty poor. One of the worst in baseball. And for them to hit three consecutive singles, you know, there, there's no metric that would sum up the chances of that happening. But it did. And they did it all off base hits there. Off crucial base hits. The other guy I point to in all this is Cesar Hernandez. He just has not gotten enough credit this year uh, for what he's done. But I'll tell you what, this guy has been as good of a, a signing in baseball that you're going to see for the price and for the market. The Indians, they could not have asked for a better second base upgrade than what Cesar Hernandez has been for them. So on Sunday, the obvious takeaway is clear. And I will say this here, and I said it in my column for IndiansBaseballInsider.com, and I fully believe it. Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor are the constants, along with Hernandez. Those three are the constants to this Indians team. You, you know what you're going to get. You know that they're going to find a way to get on base, get a base hit. If Carlos Santana and Framil Reyes are hitting for this Indians team, and if Reyes can be even half of what he was in August, you know, his, his numbers took such a drastic shift for the negative in September. If Santana and Reyes are going, the Cleveland Indians can absolutely win a pennant. And I'm not just saying that as a result of what happened Sunday. It was against the Pirates. The Pirates blew the lead. They showed us why they, they finished 19-41. and 41. But what a welcome sight that was at the same time for Santana and Reyes to both come up in big spots. Boy, 
has Santana needed what's happened the last week? And my goodness, Reyes, you know, that was such a confidence boost for him on Sunday. And Sandy Alomar said after the game, that was a monkey off Reyes' back. He had not homered since September 1st. What a time to do it right before the postseason. Yeah, that was that to me, that was the biggest key is the, the those two guys getting going in the final game. And like you said, Hernandez, the great fit on this team. Right? He does not get enough credit. I think he's is, is a linchpin of this lineup. And with all the talk about where who is going to hit where in the lineup after moving things around, I think to me, he gets good no matter where he's at. Um, let's move on to the Yankee series. Obviously, this is what everyone's here for. Let's talk about the series. So my first question, John, is how is the roster going to shape out? Like I, I just kind of quickly ran over who I think the roster was going to have. So I have five starting pitchers in my bullpen. There's Ham, Karen, Shack, Quantrill, Whitgren, Maton, and Perez. I think those are your guarantee. That gives you six relievers, seven, eight, eight. If you include, um, Savali and McKenzie as, as relievers, obviously. So they don't need to take right. extra guys um, that aren't any good. So that gives you eight, eight relievers a, right there. 11 with the three um, starters. Yep. So that's 11. They carry three catchers. So that gives you 14, right? If you carry three catchers. Um, four infielders, you know who the four infielders are going to be. And then in the end, your bench is, or your outfield is obviously Naquin, Lupo, DeShields, Mercado, Naylor, Reyes, and then Mike Freeman's going to make it. So I've got that at 26. So to me, I think you can carry three catchers and add a Bradley Zimmer as a pinch runner and maybe a Yu Chang. Do they, do they add the extra two bats? Because I think if you have Savali and McKenzie in the bullpen, um, along with your normal guys, I don't think you need to have an Adam Plutko in the first round. I don't think you need that emergency starter just in case something goes wrong. I think you have two guys to fill in. So, you know, we, we've been talking on IBI game for a couple of weeks now, how they're going to structure the, out, the roster in the first round. Because remember, you can make a change from the first to second round. It's just if somebody comes off, they can't be re-added. So that's the only concern. But I think they can carry three catchers and afford to carry Zimmer and Chang in the next round, in the first round, where do you, where do you think they, they make that? Well, decision? I just don't see the need for Adam Plutko in this series to your point. And it's a smart right. baseball move to not just have a, a guy that's in mop up duty. When you have other guys that could fill that duty and you're in a three game series, I hope that you, you're not in a position where you're going to have to have mop up duty. That said, there's other guys that could fill that role. Um, and there's other situations that could fill that role. The fact is Justin, with the Indians' quality of starting pitching, I have a hard time believing that they're going to need somebody that would do what Adam Plucko's job is. And I think it's so much more valuable to have a pinch runner present, to have another option, you know, whether it's it's in your infield or whether it's a guy that, that you just have available at the end of the bench. You never know what could happen in an extra innings game. Uh, because this, this series, like, how do you look if you're the Indians and you're in an 11th inning and you're you never know. You're in a position where where you're you've got Adam Plucko back in the bullpen and you as a result, you don't have an extra option, uh, another option to potentially run or potentially do something for you. Um, you would look bad. You know, I think they have the influx of outfielders to a point that I just don't know if there's a place for Bradley Zimmer. 
But I, I think that you're looking at Chang here. I think that that's, that that's who's on. Um, but I just – I also don't see them going away from the three catchers. If they've been this concerned about Roberto Perez, and Roberto Perez alluded to it on Monday in his press conference to us, he said – and he alluded to the fact that he's had to fight through this shoulder injury that is very much present. It almost sounds like he might have to have a procedure here after the season. I don't want to speculate on that, but it definitely sounds like Roberto Perez is not – is still not at 100%, but it's just kind of scratching and clawing and fighting through it. He even said today, Justin, it could have been easy for me, you know, to take some time, uh, which I thought was an interesting answer. So I think they're going to continue to to have three catchers as a precaution. And I think that you're looking at a situation where, so if they carry the three catchers, then any, let's say Pluck goes out, you have one spot, correct, for Chang or Zimmer, or you would have two. So I just did some quick math while you were going over that right there. I totally agree. I don't, I don't see a spot for Plutko, and I do agree with the three catchers. Um, but if you go through and you add Bieber, Carrasco, and Blasek, and you have – I don't know if I'm missing someone in the bullpen here. I have, I have Hand, Karinczak, Quantrill, Whitbread, Aton, and Perez. Those guys are guaranteed to make it. And so are Savali and, and McKenzie. If you have three catchers and then your, your normal four infielders – and you take Luplo, Naquin, DeShields, Naylor, and Reyes as your outfielders slash DH. If you put Freeman, Zimmer, and Chang on the bench, and you add Pluck, and you add, that's only 27 guys. So there's room for Pluck on the 28-man roster um, that way. So I guess maybe there's probably no question. Like, I guess the only question is who do they – like, are they going to add – is, is it going to be Adam Simber or Cam Hill, I guess, is what it comes down to. Because I guess – the way I'm doing the math, it looks like, uh, yeah, I'm not missing anybody from, from anything here. I have Quantrill. I have all those guys. Um, I guess it just comes down to, the, to who's going to be in the bullpen. Are they going to have Adam Simber in there, or are they going to call you mm-hmm. Chang back up? Interesting. I would bet they go, that's, that's the I would bet they go Simber over Hill. That's my gut. No, I, I don't think it comes down to that. I think – I don't think Cam Hill's going to make it because they don't need that extra arm. They're going to they're going to have they're going to have uh, they're going to have Savali and Plesac in the bullpen. So okay, then I guess in that case, the last the last couple of spot comes down to this. So it's it's Zimmer, or and Chang versus Hill Simber. I'm sorry, Zimmer and Chang versus Hill Simber and Plutko. You can only take three. Okay. If I if my my three my three would be Chang Zimmer and Plutko. I'm I'm I well. I don't know if I put Chang on the roster. I I'm, guess maybe Plutko. Why is Bradley Zimmer but, that worth it? Because if you have three catchers, you can use Bradley Zimmer as a a pinch runner, and that gives you an edge here because. Uh, of well, I guess probably if, if Gary Sanchez, we know, is not starting game one, but if he catches in game two or three, that's a late pinch pinch running option that could I be agree, a game changer but for my you. My point is, and if it were that valuable, why is it being done? Why would we here? Because you know, we know how things work. I don't know, we know how any, things work. Going. I just I don't see them deviating that much from their norm. I just I just like having that option when you have. Like they don't, I don't know. Is Plutko really that valuable? Like, are you going to pitch Plutko in the series, or would you rather have the option of a pinch runner like Bradley Zimmer? I, 
personally, if Adam Pluck goes in the game, that means the Indians are already up big or the Yankees are up big. I don't know, or someone got hurt and you're screwed. If Adam Pluck goes in the game, something's gone wrong for one of the two teams. So I think that the the, the chances of him contributing in a uh, high leverage situation are a lot less for me than they are Bradley Zimmer. Bradley Zimmer could be out at second base uh, in a one-run game versus there's no way Plutko is going to be in during a one-run game. And I, 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 guess, I guess you're probably saying, are they going to do that now and they haven't done it all season? I guess probably not. I'm just saying that's that's the situation I would look at. Yeah, I, I agree with you. As we said, it's not that we don't um... – it's not that we're disagreeing on this situation, but I, it's just. Do they call Chang back up too? Is Chang going to come back up or are they going to Kate? Well, are they I keep just Silver don't know if there's a role well. for Chang with Freeman sort of playing his, his type of role. But do you come into this with only one back at infielder, yeah, even you... though, okay, well, it's the same situation as it was in 2017. If, if, if one of those infielders gets hurt and can't, yeah, can't play. Yeah, and here's the other thing. Anymore. If you had to, emergency-wise, it sounds like Naylor could play at first base. You could adjust some things. I don't know. I'm I'm just saying they're not going to go away from that, Justin. I, I don't think they're going to go away from it. I think that their plan is, hey, our infielders are infielders. I, I think that maybe they just feel better about having a safety net, net guy, like a pluck going in there. Um, Okay, but let, let's say you're going to pinch. Let's say Roberto Perez gets on late. Are you pinch running Oscar Mercado for him? Okay, fine. And then one of Hedges or Leon comes in, and dear God, please be Austin Hedges. Don't be Sandy Leon. That's for my own sanity. But you have Sandy Leon on your bench. Um, that leaves you with uh, probably Jordan Luplo and Mike Freeman still to go. Um, what if you want to pinch hit for that catcher? What if you want to pinch it for, for Sandy Leone or Austin Hedges um, to put the final catcher in the game? I know they haven't done that all year because they're terrified. That's the playoff, for God's sakes. Like, come on. If there's a situation and you already brought in a backup catcher because you pinched ran and you're afraid to pinch hit for him, then what are you doing? Um, I'd rather have you ch- – I mean, I guess Mike Freeman's a decent option as much as you Chang is. But I don't know. I just feel like you'd rather if, – if, what if, what if Britt or Chapman are in? I'd rather have Chang and Freeman. I'm just saying they – this is the time they should be maximizing it. And I don't know. I, I'm just curious to see which way they go. I think it just comes down to those final three picks of, of the yeah, roster. I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that. And I guess I would side with Chang and Zimmer and, and then having Pluck. Oh, mm-hmm. What's that? So yeah, we are thing. on the same page. I'm just playing, playing a little bit of kind of what yes. they might be yeah. thinking with Pluck. I also think there's a loyalty mm-hmm. factor. Like when you've been so, on the roster the whole way, they don't steer away from that. Yeah, I that runs into mistakes for me. I think other people would agree with that as well. But we'll see what happens there. I, I it, it probably is a case of what we think they what they should do versus what they will do. Tuesday night, obviously, everybody will be listening to this Tuesday morning. Uh, Shane Bieber versus Garrett Cole at seven o'clock on ESPN. Wednesday, seven o'clock on ESPN. It's Carlos Carrasco. Masahiro Tanaka, if Cleveland weather cooperates right now, the uh, rain in the forecast doesn't look great. And then Thursday, uh, to be announced that the game is needed in Sack Playset versus TBA. And from what I've heard, um, various people have speculated on this. So I heard from a friend who works in Albany, uh, ESPN Albany, that it'll be D.V. Garcia. And I heard today on the Pinstripe uh, Prospects podcast, which you can listen to, um, they're kind of like an IBI uh, Yankees version. 
they think they'll go with some combination of Jay Happ or um, Jamie Garcia because of Jay Happ's more consistent than more consistent lately. Whereas we thought it would be Jordan Montgomery, but apparently he's been shaky lately. So um, if game three happens, that's going to be really fascinating. So let, let's just get into the matchups real quick. Um, do we even need to, to tell who we're going to take in starting pitching edge? Like if you're asking who has the edge starting pitching, no, no doubt it's the Indians. We no, even have and to it's exactly why. And, and simulations, look, you can take them for what they are. It doesn't matter when the teams take the field Tuesday. But ESPN actually did something like 10,000 simulations of the playoffs. And they have the Indians meeting the Dodgers in the World Series. And the, simu- the simulation machine just oh. has the Indians pitching taking off even more and, and just being fantastic and being too much for other teams. The Indians have the starting pitching edge over every opponent. And the Yankees would fall right into that list. The Yankees in a five or seven game series against the Indians would be in a very sorry position. I mean, I, I really don't know how Aaron Boone would manage his way through that series with pitching being a problem. And I think the Yankees have a huge question mark next to them. You know, Justin, if the winner of this series likely gets the Rays, oh man, I mean, you know, the, oh, now the Yankees have actually played the Rays okay this year, but the fact still stands. As time goes on, these are not your dad's Yankees. They're not your grandpa's Yankees. They don't have pitching depth, okay? And they have not been able to just outmatch teams every night. So the Indians have a tremendous starting pitching edge in this series. Definitely agree. So here, let's look at a few factors real quick starting pitching. So the Yankees, their normal lineup, they trot out seven right-handed hitters. The Indians are going to obviously go with three right-handed starting pitchers and the only lefties they really have are obviously the only lefties they have are Oliver Perez and Brad Hand. Um, but the Yankees have actually hit right-handed pitchers better this year. They have an 8-11 OPS versus 7-15 against lefties. However, um, that changes. And if you buy into this, I don't know how much you can buy into this. You know, home road splits are often a lot of noise. However, obviously we know Yankee Stadium favors that right-handed porch. So at home, the Yankees have a 935 OPS against right-handers. Whereas on the road, they have a 671 OPS. If you buy into the home road splits, it's a good matchup with the Indians. I don't know how much you can buy into that. And then I looked at uh, each of the three starters for the Indians and their splits. So Shane Bieber has a 247 weighted on base average hitters against him at right-handed hitters, 194 for left-handed hitters. Lefties have hit six of seven home runs Bieber has allowed. Six of them have come against left-handed hitters. Obviously, the Yankees only have Brett Gardner, Mike Talkman, and, uh, Aaron, and uh, Aaron Hicks, who's a switch hitter. So we'll see how that matchup goes. He's got a 182 ERA. It doesn't, you know, for Shane Bieber, it doesn't matter. Shane Bieber dominates both sides of the ball. Um, Carlos Carrasco, a 271 weighted on base average against righties. And then Zach Plesak, the best of them all, 240, 224 weighted on base average against right handed hitters. So um, to me, it's, it's the Yankees. A success against the right-handed pitchers versus the Indians' dominance of right-handed hitters. That's going to be a really interesting matchup. Um, is the Yankees' offense truly better at home than on the road? Oh, I guess absolutely. so. Um, Bieber versus Cole in game one. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to give into that that ballpark factor for sure. Um, and here, here to me is the other edge of this, John, is – Obviously, the Indians need to win game one. We know we know how critical game one is going to be in a three-game series, and the Indians really can't afford to lose 
Yeah, but Yankee fans are sitting Um, are sitting here saying the same thing about Garrett Cole. I think I think the Indians. I'm going to have this take here. The Indians can come back more than the Yankees can. The Yankees can't come back from Cole losing his star. I mean, the only theory in mind would be, oh, the Indians, they, you know, they choked in 2017. That doesn't matter. That's in the past. Um, they, both these teams are going in saying, look, we've got to take game one. I think for me, starting pitching-wise, game one comes down to if the Yankees – I'm not saying they're manufacturing runs against Shane Bieber. If they're manufacturing long at-bats, making him work and getting him with a high pitch count and then leaving Sandy Alomar with a dilemma heading into the sixth inning. If I'm the Yankees, that's the way I view this situation because, for me, this series gets defined by what happens in the sixth and seventh innings of games because either you're getting such a good start, which the Indians have, have had plenty of them. In fact, I'll, I'll pull up the stat here. Um, Cleveland has had a starter go six or more innings in 43 of their 60 games. That's absolutely incredible i mean the the fact that all but 17 of your games you had a starter go six or more innings is wild so for the yankees the goal has to be can we get bieber at a high pitch count because other teams have been able to do that and when the indians have lost to shane bieber start that's the reason why it's happened yeah you're absolutely right and and you really just you covered my whole next (laughs) point was um no 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 you're good no I, i had that written down for a reason so um, I went deep on I went deep on this too. So Garrett Cole averages a little over six innings to start, as does Shane Bieber. Uh, Carlos Carrasco averages five point six innings per start. If you take out the three starts in the middle of the season where he was, you know, dreadful and didn't have any command, uh, he averages six point two innings per start. Uh, Zach Plesac just a shade under seven, and then uh, Masahiro Tanaka does not average more than five innings to start. So I think you're right. When you say sixth and seventh inning, to me, here's the key. Um, third time through the order. No no starting pitching staff in baseball got to the through the third time through the order than the Indians. The Indians, third time through the order, starters, had 327 batters face. That was the most in baseball. Um, and they had a 350 ERA the third time through the order. That's incredible. Um, as for the Yankees, 202 batters face the third time through the order by their starters. Uh, I didn't look where they ranked, but obviously you could see the, uh, the difference there. And their ERA third time through the order was 444. So it's going to be, can the Indians get their starters through seven innings, to me, is the key, or at least into the seventh? Can they, get, can they go six and a third? Can they go six and two-thirds? And for the Yankees, or for the Indians, I guess, can they hit – the, Yan- the Yankees are going to pull their starters. Let's be honest here. The Indians hope all three starters well, can pitch into the seventh inning. The Yankees no, hope. No, I mean, go ahead. I no, don't go think ahead. that's going to happen for each of the starts in this series for the Indians. So, of course, they hope that. But I think that's why if we're – of course, I, I think, ideally, ideally, ideally. I think, look, ideally and realistically, could the Indians get three consecutive starts heading into the seventh inning? Absolutely. Um, but – that's why Tristan McKenzie is an X factor to this whole situation. Because if it's not Karen check before McKenzie, I think McKenzie's got such a big role in one of these games and is a deciding factor because in the event that a starter doesn't get to the sixth, I would think that that's the formula you're using is, is McKenzie as the bridge to Karen check in hand. 
I, I absolutely, I don't disagree with you there. My, my whole take here is that this is plan A. Like the Indians, obviously when you're, you're managing a, a series like this, you have plan A, B, C, and D. Plan A, the best plan to win is starters get to the seventh inning. And then if they don't, you know, you have your, okay, here's plan B. We go to McKenzie or we go to Quantrill or whatever it's going to be. I'm just saying the, the, the best formula for the Indians to win this series is their starters get into the seventh inning. But versus the Yankees, their best formula is to get their starting pitchers through the fifth or sixth inning and then turn over to the bullpen. They want to turn it. They want to get their starters through two times through the order. Whereas the Indians would like to get their starters third time through the order if they can. So the Yankees are going to pull their starters. Whereas the Indians are going to hope they don't have to, where the Yankees are fine doing it sooner is my, is my saying. So the Indians most likely have to get to the Yankees starter before they pull them. Um, before, whereas the Indians want to get more innings from their starters and the Yankees would. Um, I, I did save the bullpen for Absolutely. later. We can jump into that now since you brought it up. Um, so I have the bullpen as a push on as far as advantages are concerned because the, the Yankees bullpen is still pretty good, even though they're not as good as they, they were, you know, say in 2017 or, or even last year. My question is this. Who pairs with Karen Sheck in hand, and how early does the pen come in for each team? Can can James Karen Sheck get more than three outs if you need him to? Because ideally, you're only relying on Karen Sheck in hand, even though there might be three games. The only question mark I have is this: is real question mark is Tristan McKenzie has one game in the series. Tristan McKenzie is not going to pitch two games this year. He's not. You're not going to ask him to pitch. He's he's definitely not going to pitch game one and two. It's going to be either or. And I think it's highly unlikely that if he pitches game one and there's a game three, you'll see him in game three. So to me, Tristan McKenzie is this break-in case of glass pitcher. He's definitely going to pitch at some point in the series, but it's, it's truly a break-in case of glass thing because – or break glass in case of fire. I don't know. Okay, I got that whole that whole sentence wrong, well, whatever you want to compare it to, that, that uh, comparison wrong, but the, the metaphor. But he, he can't pitch more than twice this series, so – the spot they choose to use him in is going to be very critical because that might be the only chance he has to pitch in the series. Yeah, it's and Cal Quantrill's really not an option having started in two bullpen games this past week, at least not from the get-go. I mean, maybe he pitches in a game three. The point is, look, the Indians, like the Yankees' bullpen, the Yankees have a power duo of Zach Britton and Araldis Chapman, Chapman who's been nails as of late. The Indians have a power duo in – safe leader Brad Hand and Rick Vaughn, James Karinchek, who I think if there's anything that excites me more, there's nothing. Nothing that excites me more heading into this series than New York Yankee fans finding out who James Karinchek is because they don't study other teams and they haven't seen the Indians this year. Mm -hmm. And James Karinchek has a chance to rattle the Yankees' cage. That's the kind of pitcher he is. I'm fascinated to see James Karinchek in the postseason. (laughs) He's must-see TV in the regular season. Just think of what's going to happen on ESPN uh, when they discover how nasty and how good this guy is. I think he's a really interesting player in the league as a whole. That said, the Indians have other relief options that have been formidable. It's just going to depend on on what Sandy Alomar is looking at with matchups. I mean, Nick Wickren has eaten a lot of innings. I think he kind of gets some Brian Shaw hate, but this is a guy that that's gone 23 and two-thirds innings, and it's been much more good than bad. He has allowed four home runs. That's a concern. Um, he's had ups and downs recently. You know, I 
I don't know how much I trust him um, right now. But I think if you're looking at options beyond Karen Check hand and then the option of McKenzie, I think the Indians will go to, to, to a guy that they've relied upon for inning usage, and that is Wickren. You know, your other option to get you through an inning is Oliver Perez. Let's say Wickren gets it out, out um, you know, and faces three hitters and is in a little bit of trouble. Perez can come in if, if they see something right with the Yankees lineup, even though Perez has been able to pitch against both sides. This is a guy who's allowed just four earned runs in 21 appearances. And I don't want to hear that he's not the answer because guess what? Oliver Perez has been part of the answer. And if Oliver Perez with his numbers is your fourth or fifth option out of your bullpen, your bullpen's in pretty good shape. And because of that, I give the Indians the bullpen edge in this series. I think that the Indians have better bullpen options as you go deeper into the pen. Adam Adovino for the Yankees is their number three or four guy, interchangeable with Chad Green. Adovino has a 5.89 ERA. His slider has been all over the place. Uh, I welcomed in Dan Martin, the New York Post sports writer, and he told me Adovino has said at times he has no idea where the slider's going. Chad Green is another option, but he's allowed a team-high five home runs on the bullpen. I am going to put my confidence in the Indians' bullpen because they deserve it. They have been better as this season has gone on. They have a more well-rounded body of work, and I think they are deeper than the Yankee pen. I think the Yankee pen, because it's Chapman and Britton and it's sexy, is, is going to get the edge from national people. The Cleveland Indians have had one of the best bullpens in baseball, and the numbers would suggest it and prove it. Yeah, I, I think nationally you're absolutely right. Uh, Chapman and Britton and those guys do get more of the name factor, but uh, the Indians have, you know, just has had just as reliable options as they had, if not better. I guess for me what it comes down to is how they manage the bullpen. Like you said, I they have to find the right matchup for Oliver Perez. The Yankees as a whole have not been great against left-handed pitching, but they do have a lot of right-handed hitters in their lineup. So, you know, how Oliver Perez factors in and, and when they choose to use Tristan McKenzie, I think, I guess maybe more so my, my edge here, or my, the reason I'm saying that there's a push instead of the idiots having the edge in the bullpen is maybe how they manage it. It's, it's how they wind up managing. Maybe that's more of a Sandy Alomar thing than, the true talent in the bullpen. Um, just for record's sake, the Indians' bullpen this year, 3.53 ERA, 28.3 uh, strikeout rate, Yankees 4.51 versus during uh, a 23.6 strikeout rate. So we'll see what that comes down to. Let's talk about hitting. Um, I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on this because obviously everyone <laughs> should favor the Yankees' offense. Um but I mean, like we said, 9.35 OPS versus right. I'm sorry, right-hand pitching on the road versus uh, or 6.71 on, on the road versus 9.35 um, at home. The Indians subsequently a uh, 82 weighted runs created plus at home versus 91 on the road. Yankees 86 weighted runs created plus on the road versus 146 weighted runs created plus at home. Uh, just in case you forget how weighted runs created plus works, for those listening, 100 is league average. So anything above 100, great. Anything below 100 is below average. And then the other thing is Stanton had a 305. I know you wrote this earlier today. Uh, Stanton and Judge have not been great down the stretch. They don't look great. 305 weighted on base average this month for Stanton, 266 for Judge. And I know Stanton had a 40% strikeout rate in the month of September. Um I think also what you wrote earlier, too, and I'll let you expand upon this more, but I think the top, the, the first four guys in the order 
are going to oh. play a giant factor in this series because of I uh, totally first time agree. To be and if order. you're going after one of these starters, chances are you're going to have success if you have success. The little success you might have is going to come in the first inning. Because if one of these starters is just settling in, I know there's no fans in the stands. It's still going to be incredibly intense. You know, we we actually don't know how this week's going to play out in baseball, which is the real fascinating thing. And if there's a time to try it, and it sounds like they're actually going to stay with it, which, okay. But if there's a time to try it, why not now? Three-game series in the playoffs to start. Different. You know, it's it's going to be a lot happening in a condensed amount of time with no days off, and you don't have any time to digest. You're just going to top right back in on Wednesday and play game two, and you could be out in about 27 hours, you know? So I look at the top tiers of these lineups. It's, it's likely to decide the series. And for the Yankees, it's, well, the real Aaron Judge or Giancarlo stand please stand up because if they don't deliver, then it's, it's hard in my mind to think that it's just going to be DJ LeMahieu and Luke Voigt, who have both had tremendous seasons. Uh, it's got to be more than them. Just like for the Indians, it has to be more than just Ramirez and Lindor. So for the Yankees, they need Aaron judge in the biggest of ways, you know, in his last 36 at in his last 36 at bats, judge has a 594 OPS and he's hitting just 194. Stanton has hit 200 with a 700 OPS, but he's actually been an even bigger disappointment. The Yankees expected, uh, they expected more out of Judge, Justin, but from what I can gather from Yankees folks that cover the team, there's still just this level with Stanton that the the quality of that bat, some of those numbers are skewed, even though they're better than Judge. There's still more of a belief in Judge heading into the playoffs than Stanton. And look, for Stanton, he's not been a playoff hitter. And that stigma, it carries with him heading into this week. He has a chance to change it. But Giancarlo Stanton has not been a postseason hitter. And he just, he's not panned out as a Yankee. For the Indians, you know, I can't overstate what Framo Reyes means to this series and to this team and to the ability to make a run. In August, the guy hits 313 with seven home runs and a 954 OPS. I'm pretty sure, Justin, at one point, we were calling him as good a hitter in the game at the time. I mean, that that's how hot he was. Then in September, he drops to 244, and his OPS drops more than 300 points from month to month. I mean, that that is a meteoric decline. And look, he's a, just like Stanton and Judge, it's that hot mm-hmm. and cold factor. It really is. And, and I think that the Indians lineup actually can create more problems for Cole early then I think the Yankees can just because there's such an unknown with Judge and Stan, at least for the Indians, they come out, they've got Lindor, they've got Cesar Hernandez, who's put up great at-bats all season long, and that combination of going from Hernandez to Ramirez. And then with Carlos Santana, who's suddenly showing signs of not just a, a, a burst, but we're starting to see him put up much, much better at-bats than what we were seeing two weeks ago. That, for me can create a wrinkle in the first inning. And really, you know, out of the guys that I trust, don't trust, it all starts with Lindor. It really all starts with Lindor because if Frankie's getting on, the way that Hernandez and Ramirez are capable of hitting right now, that's that could be the Indians' best chance to score tomorrow. Yeah, it is. I'll, I'll be curious to see if Lindor kind of has a, a refocus 
come playoff time because at times it looks like he just has not, I don't want to say he hasn't mentally looked there, but it, he just has looked out of character at times, whether it's been at, on the bases or at the plate. He's been good defensively other than his um, throwing here on Sunday against the Pirates that cost a run. But uh, I'll be curious to see if he kind of locks in a little bit. I agree with you on Santana. I had the X factor is this. Who is going to produce more of this series between Aaron Judge and Carl Stanton versus Fran Race and Santana? Whoever gets the most production out of those two combined is going to win. You're right. And I, I maybe You're that's, right. you know, that too basic, I guess, but it's probably true. To. Yeah. And, and here's the other thing. The two best relievers in that Yankees pen no are Chapman it. and Britton, correct? So this is where the this is where the three batter minimum rule and the Indians having four switch hitters to top of the order plays a factor. So Lindor, who had a down year, but was better against left-handed pitching this year, leads off. Then you have Cesar Hernandez batting second. Um, he has been better against right-handers, and he's been pretty bad against lefties this year. So, and then following that, Jose Ramirez and Carl Santana have both been better against left-handers this year. If there's a situation late in the game where the Yankees need to go to Britton or Chapman and in the Indians top of the order is up, they better be careful about where they're at because it might be a better matchup to move Cesar Hernandez as a right-handed hitter, but that with a three batter minimum, they might have to face Jose Ramirez and, and Carlos Santana from the right side. And that could be trouble for the left-handed uh, relievers for the Yankees. So if those are the two guys they're going to go to in critical situations and the Indians top of the order is up, and the three batter minimum is in play, the Indians could have a real advantage because you're forcing two of the uh, three of the top hitters of their four are better against left-handed hitting. So I know it's a very, very granular matchup. Yeah, but I think that could play a factor like this games. one. And, and like you just said, like it's a specific case-by-case case thing. But just the Indians' offense is kind of a specific case-by-case case <laughs> offense. Like they have not blown teams out. They're not a team that's going to score eight or nine. And so when I when I look at the Indians offense, you know, they they need a situation like that to manufacture runs. You know, you're not going to get the three singles like they had from the bottom third in the order on Thursday night against the White Sox. So I'm really curious to see uh, how Aaron Boone manages this series. I I just think with the Yankees lack of health this season, that's been a big that's been the biggest reason why they're 33 and 27. But even when they've been healthy, when you talk to people around this team, they just don't feel as though the Yankees have found any sort of a rhythm. And I actually think we'd be saying the same thing about the Indians had it not been for the last week and change. And that's, that's part of the reason why, even though you could say, Oh, you know, that doesn't matter when they hit the field tomorrow. I disagree with that because if you can't come back from eighth inning deficits against the White Sox or the Pirates, you're not going to be able to do it against Zach Bridner or all the Chapman. But now at least you go in that situation. It's unlikely that you do, but now at least you've done it. You have got to have had some experience, in my opinion, doing it in the regular season if you're going to do it in the postseason. And the Indians, that's why this run that they're on has, has been so critical, that, that they do have a belief if they do have the, the scenario where they fall behind. You can't play catch-up, and, and you really – that's the Yankees' A, a plan A. The Yankees' plan A is let's get a runoff Bieber in the first inning. Cole is Cole, and we ride our bullpen, find an insurance run or two, and we win the game 3-1. to one. I mean, that's the way the Yankees are looking at tomorrow. And look, the Indians are in a lot of ways too. I mean, they, it's 
it's I don't think we're in for a seven six game. Could be dead wrong, but that's just not what this series has on paper. This is not a Yankees offense that you're staring at and saying, yep, you know, they're going to score their runs. The Indians got to match them. That's not been the New York Yankees. If it were, then the Indians would be in some deep trouble. I totally agree. Um, I think, I think, like we've talked about, a lot of people look at the Yankees and they say that's probably the case because of the Yankees. And on paper, on, on paper, their offense is better than their pitching. So that's what you would expect. But you're right with Stanton and Judge being inconsistent and Gary Sanchez being terrible this year. Um, that's that's a big question mark for them. They've had two. Aaron Hicks had a good year. That's unfair. I think Aaron Hicks had a pretty underrated year for them. But Lemayhew and, and Voigt were really the heavy hitters in that lineup. So they might get stuff from them, but what are they going to get from everybody else? It's, it's the same question mark as the Indians. Like that's why I said earlier today on the guys at the Pinstripe uh, Prospects podcast is which Indians offense is going to show up on on day to day. You really don't know what you're going to get from them on offense. It doesn't really matter who's on the mound, right? It just matters which Indians offense shows up. Um, so we'll see. Obviously, the edge offensively goes to New York, regardless of all those uh, speculations. Defense and base running. I'm going to combine the two, John. Um, the Indians this year, I'm not going to go uh, ultimate zone rating oh God, for 150 innings me. on fan graphs because of the shortened season. But, yeah, <laughs> well, it's just not big enough of a sample this year considering they only played 60 games. Um, but we're going to go by defensive run save. The Indians this year, 29 defensive run saves. The Yankees won. And – the Indians' oh, infield defense, to me, is far superior than the Yankees. Especially Car- Carl Santana at first base, Francisco Lindo at short. Caesar's been solid at second. Jose's a good third defensive third baseman. I know Giovanni Urshela is a great defensive third baseman, but I think that's a whole – If there was the one Indians takeaway from the, the infield media about early Monday, it's and, that the, the Indians could not be happier to know that they're not going to face Didi Gregorius this week. <laughs> oh God! Not again! Because yeah. he does it on both That's sides. Bad, bad flashbacks. He eliminates right. outs too. Uh, well, Corey Kluber's not here. Either. Yeah, he was good. Clyber Torres is not quite as good, and um, I, I can't honestly say I know how good DJ Lemay he was at second base. I'm sure he's good, and I, I'm sure he's probably a push with yeah. Caesar Hernandez. I feel like I'm second base is kind of a push position. It's hard to like. Just as too. You know, left yeah. side is a much more of an opportunity to to find an advantage, but the, the Indians have the defensive. Yeah. And cat, well, we know the Indians have the catching advantage catching defensively too. in every category, at least in the American league. I think this comes down to, will the, will the Indians, yeah. will they avoid hurting themselves on the base paths? Well, yeah, not only that, they, they, okay. So you're talking about base running. So the Yankees this year, by Fangraph's base running statistic, BSR, 8.2. The Indians this year, negative 0.2. The Indians have made a lot of stupid outs in the bases, no doubt about it. And what we talked about the final week, they made some weird errors in the field. Lionel Shields had a weird weird season in the outfield. Like, he made some good plays, but he made some ba- really bad plays. Um, and he's going to probably be the center fielder, honestly. I think he's going to start in center field maybe all three games. Um so he better be good defensively. He has to be good defensively. And he has to find a way to get on base because can the Indian speed give them an advantage in this series? Like, Jose's a good runner. Lindor's a good runner. Caesar's not a bad runner. Um, 
they have they're going to have Oscar Mercado on the bench to pinch run possibly. I, I'd like to see Zimmer there too, but we already talked about that. But obviously, we know Gary Sanchez is not going to play game one. If he plays in game two or game three, he is a terrible defensive catcher. Okay, he's not. He might have gotten better in framing this year, but his he's not a great blocker and he's not a great controller of the run game. The Indians got on base; they have to run. I don't know how good, um, you know, how good, how quickly Garrett Cole and, and Tanaka and you know whoever's going to start at game three and the relievers get the ball out of their hand. But the Indians have got to find a way to take some extra bases this week. I think that's a big a big key for them. I think defensively they'll have the edge. But for the most part, especially catching, I don't think you'll see the Yankees try to run a lot. But to me, they have to exploit Gary Sanchez if they're going to, you know, create some runs offensively without hitting a home run off of Garrett Cole or somebody. And like you said, they have to avoid making stupid outs. They've done that this year. They have to find a way to utilize their speed and they have to find a way to exploit that matchup, I think, for them to separate themselves offensively. Totally. Totally, totally, totally. Now, um, Higashioka is going to start game one because he's been the best with, with Cole. Um, I think that that's, that's the other thing. Like if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that Gary Sanchez would be the closest thing to a non-factor for the Yankees. In fact, not only is he a non-factor, Justin, he's hurting them. Like, this, no, he's been terrible. Mm-hmm. In the play. I guess, I mean, I this you know, there was a time when people were arguing who's better, Sanchez or Judge. Well, that's that's more than over. It's just his decline is is really really something. But when you go wrong at the plate and you really don't have the defense to make up for it, because he's not a good defensive catcher, um, that's that's just it's problematic. It's a the, the catcher spot is a problem for the Yankees. It's just another area like. When you don't have great starting pitching consistency, and then you add that to the fact, I think I heard it said by Carl Willis earlier this year that sometimes, like, a a pitcher absolutely can get enhanced by his catcher in more ways than we can see. And I just, I think it goes back to, like Roberto Perez said, he, he said today, he goes, I know that my offense gets criticized. And look, I get it. But he said, I also know that I more than make up for it defensively. And sometimes I don't love when a player says that about themselves or, you know, if they like it can come off the wrong way. It came off the right way because Roberto Perez does make up for it. And then some in what he does defensively and how he manages the game. So, you know, base running wise, I mean, it's when you get a base runner against these pitching staffs, you better maximize it. And the Indians have had trouble at times maximizing their base runners. And yeah, it is a concern because it has been a bit of a theme. I will stay with the argument um, that postseason different animal, but, and, and that they'll be fine, but it's obviously it's in our minds. I mean, it's, it's something that, that you've got to be mindful of because that it's those types of situations. You know, you might only get one or two chances against Garrett Cole. You'll be lucky to get two. You've got to make the most of them. You cannot have a base running mistake cost you a situation. You might have been able to get away with it against the Pirates or even against the White Sox, you know, divisional foe that's more than capable of giving up runs. You can't get away with it in the playoffs, and you can't get away with it when you know that the Yankees can eliminate outs if they get to that eighth inning and have a lead. The, the game's next to over. Yeah, you count outs in the, in the, the playoffs the way the pitching goes, and, and... 
yeah, you just and you don't want to give them extra opportunities. You don't want to give way outs and you don't want to give them extra opportunities, even though the offense has been questionable this year. You make errors in the field too. You're giving them an extra opportunities. Um, just for context, like here, here's the other factor too. Obviously, like we said, Sanchez is not playing game one, but to the to the starting pitcher, do the pitchers for the Yankees trust Gary Sanchez? Do you think? Because look, we know that Shane Bieber throws a lot of balls in the dirt with that curveball, um, and so does Carlos Carrasco, and so does Zach Plesac, and Brad Ham throws a slider low in the zone, and. James Karinchak's curveball goes in the dirt. They trust Roberto Perez yeah. to keep that ball in front of him, so they could go out there. They could bury those pitches. I, I, really, I wonder if the Yankees pitching staff has the same confidence. I mean, personally, doing that for me, Sanchez I think and whether that, that the Yankees would trust Sandy Leone or Austin Hedges over Gary Sanchez defensively. <laughs> well, the Indians have the best Unless defensive catching core in, in baseball. You know, that's what they got uh, when they uh, made uh, the Hedges <laughs> trade. So. We know the advantage they have they there. Um, I don't know if they do. Clearly, Cole doesn't. Cole's been a different pitcher when he's when he's had uh, Higoshioka uh, back there behind the plate. Did I pronounce that right? Higoshioka okay. is what I'm going to go with. I have no the idea. Point is, Honestly, I'm sorry. I have no idea. Catching problem. The Indians have the solution to any catching question you have because they have the best defensive catcher in the game for my money. So, I, you know, look. The little things in this series, here's the thing about the Indians, Justin. The little things for them already get amplified because they can't make up for those little things offensively, normally. So you've got to do all those things to win. And I think when we were texting during Sunday's game against the Pirates and they commit two errors, you know, this that's the weird thing about the run that they've been on. And that's kind of the quirky thing about October. October has provided us with the outlier at times. You know, the Washington Nationals were four outs away from having their season end in a one-game playoff. They ended up winning the World Series. Yeah, absolutely. But that because became an error, outlier too, run. You know, you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have had them in the World Series. But that's the beauty of October baseball. It's why this is about to be pure theater starting this week. There might not be fans in the stands, but we we think we know what might happen. But if the Toronto Blue Jays go out and score three runs in the first inning and somehow shock the Tampa Bay Rays in game one, at the very least, it's going to get your mind swirling of saying, what the heck? You know, what, what's going on? That's that's where, you know, when, when you don't have fans in the stands, there's not a great reward for being in first place. Like, come tomorrow, as we do this podcast on Monday night, like when the twins face the Astros, nobody cares what the seedings are. They look at the matchup and they look at the matchup. Like it's just, it's that that's kind of the the harm of this structure is you you could be the top three or four seed. You really don't get a reward, especially in twenty twenty. There's there's no great advantage other than sleeping in your own bed. I mean, it'd be one thing if you had to turn around and play the next day, but there was a day off. There was a warm up day. These guys are used to that type of pace. Uh, they'll be well-rested heading into tomorrow. So uh, it's just, October provides us with outliers. And, of course, the Indians could continue to, to flourish offensively. Framil Reyes could have his best month of his career. And Carlos Santana could be rolling. And we already know what Ramirez, Lindor, and Hernandez do. But for me, if we look at the Indians, the way this season's gone, they can ill afford to give any extra out 
um, or to, to give the Yankees any help with outs because their lineup cannot make up for it. And if Garrett Cole gets through that first inning unscathed, if he gets through the first two innings unscathed, man, you know, the Indians could be in a situation where the game's still scoreless heading into the seventh inning. I mean, that's, that's what they're looking at here. Yeah, it's, it's going to be some tense baseball this week, and, and one little thing that's going to decide it. Uh, let's get to the last two things here. So I have managing and coaching as the last X factor, and this is going to sound weird to some people. I gave the Indians the coaching edge because Sandy Elmar has at least been a part of this coaching staff going back to the 2016 run. He's been on the play. He's been in the playoffs before. I know they don't have Tito. I know they don't have Brad Mills, um, but they've had a consistent coaching staff. I mean, they have the same hitting coaches. They have the same pitching coaches. They've had, a, I mean, they have, do have some new coaches, but their staff is a little more experienced than the Yankees. So I'm, I'm going to give them the edge there. Although here, here's the other thing that could swing this. Matt Blake is the Yankees pitching coach. Matt Blake was the Indians assistant pitching director a couple of years ago. Matt, Matt Blake was here throughout. He, he's the one who scouted Shane Bieber in the Cape Cod. Like he's the one who found Shane Bieber. So he was here for that. Savali, Plesak, McKenzie, James Karinchek. He was there for those guys' development. I think that's the biggest swing. Just as how much – how much does Matt Blake contribute to the Yankee scouting reports on the Indians pitching? If he's, I mean, I know they've, they've changed. Like obviously Shane Bieber's curveball is better this year. He's added a cutter. I think Zach Lisek's slider is better than it, this year than it was a year ago. And I think Tristan McKenzie has added a slider and has been better than he was a couple of years ago. Plus he's healthy. But I, I truly wonder if Matt Blake's scouting report and familiarity with the Indians pitching is going to help swing the battle for the uh, Yankees hitters. That's my X factor as far as managing goes, but, Based on experience, I might get the edge of Sandy <laughs> Elmer. Although after what I just said, um, I might convince myself that it's a push. This for me is a push. You know, you're you're talking about an acting manager who has had a, a mixed bag of of decisions and is going to be in close games and high leverage situations. And how Sandy manages that bullpen is what I have my eyes on. And I I think that if you're going to criticize Alomar for some of the questionable decisions, like when he had Sandy Leone pinch hit for Roberto Perez and, and what didn't want to waste a third player, but then ended up doing it. And just some of the, some of the unique things he's done, then you have to give him credit for the run this team's been on over the last week and change, because you've got to have a leader in your dugout. And Sandy Alomar is that, and you can tell just by the team's demeanor and by their faith in Sandy, that they feel the same way. I think it's genuine. I don't think it's corny at all. Um, as for the Yankees, you know, I think that Aaron Boone, I was talking with people around the Yankees and, and today, and the thought was like, there is a connection between Aaron Boone and the Yankees players, but he just has not been able to get the belief that Brian Cashman has had in him to turn into results in the postseason that say that he is the answer. Now, your counter-argument could be, well, the Astros were cheating, and the year before that, the Red Sox series was his first year. And, you know, I mean, I, I get that argument, but, you know, this, this is a critical series for Aaron Boone. He's going to get his contract extension. That's inevitable. It's going to happen. But if they just go out in the first round 
Like, if the Yankees play to their capabilities, the Yankees are a better team than the Cleveland Indians. I, I know that that sounds a little bit strange after what I've said throughout this podcast, but that's the problem is Aaron Boone has not been able to get this team connected. People thought this Yankees team could go 40 and 20 or 45 and 15. I mean, there were some people picking them to go like 42 and 18 in the preseason. None of that's happened. Injuries have played a part, but they've also just been so disconnected. And uh, and part of it is, is that Boone hasn't been able to really establish a pitching staff that can consistently put out results. It makes you appreciate what's in place in Cleveland. So, you know, I, I, I give this a push. Um, I know that that's a lame cop-out answer to some, but I'm not going to give, uh, I'm not going to give Alomar the advantage over Boone. Boone's, Boone's got more playoff experience, you know, as a manager than Sandy Alomar has. Sandy said himself, there's a lot of things that he didn't know about with managing in, in some of these situations that even he's learned with this situation over the one when he just took over for Manny Acta in the final days of, of that dreadful run. So I give it a push. Um, you know, I don't, I actually don't think that it's going to be too difficult for these skippers because of the starting pitching they have. It could get difficult. You know, I, I think the biggest question I have for Sandy is when do you use that really interesting bullet in the chamber? That is Tristan McKenzie. And how do you manage James Karinchek? Is he the stopper in a six inning jam, Justin? Or do they find a way past that and say in a tie game, like if the Yankees have two men on, do they go to McKenzie and then wait on Karen check it? I'm really curious to see how, how the Indians manage the sixth and seventh innings in this series, because I think that's what this series comes down to along with Reyes and Santana's production on the Indian side for the Yankees. You know, Aaron Boone can't do what, what judge and Stan are doing at the plate, but Aaron Boone you know, he, he could have some decisions to make with matchups um, late in games, pinch hitting wise. He could have some decisions to make with his bullpen because there are question marks beyond Britton and Chapman. You know, like, do you pull Britton in earlier in a game if you have to get out of a situation? I mean, don't don't hold on to him too long because then it could cost you a game. So for both these managers, they're going to have some interesting situations uh, to manage through right around the sixth and the seventh innings if the starting pitching is what we think it's going to be. So my manager long short answer is push. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think you're right. For the Indians, I think the season postseason hinges on four players. Santana, Reyes, Karen Check, and McKenzie. I think isn't that what you crazy? get out of those four guys isn't in the series that we're saying swing, it swings McKenzie's it one way or the like other. That. So <laughs> I, you know what, after he didn't pitch at all last year, I thought there was no chance he'd pitch this year in a short season. I thought maybe the best chance was in the bullpen, and lo and behold, he's in the bullpen, but I, I didn't see it coming like this. So it's going to be fun. I, I, he looked great out of the bullpen, his two stints. I think he's going to be great. It's just a matter of, of when they, the time they choose to use him. Cause like I said before, he is, you know, he's going to have one, one chance to pitch in the series. So it's got to be the right time. Right. You have to, don't wait for the right moment, but it has to be an important moment, I would say, is what it is. So uh, he can definitely come in and, and get you two strikeouts or three strikeouts in a row. With that being said, John, let's wrap this up. It's been long, and if you got this far, you'll finally get the hair predictions. John, I'm going to give you the honor and the, uh, the pressure of picking first. I'm going to take, take the Indians in two games. We have to do it. 
Yeah, so I, I just have a bold feeling about, two. Wow. about this. Two. I think that the Yankees are not right. Uh, I don't think they've been right all season, and they have been a really, really bad road team. I know that you could say it doesn't matter in the playoffs. It does to me. They're 11 and 18 on the road. This game, it does matter. And um, I know that they the ballpark matters. I'm sorry, the ballpark matters. Field or whatnot. Uh, these teams are actually 10 and 10 in their last 20, I read, their last 20 meetings. So it's been pretty split. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I have this gut feeling that that this is a really favorable matchup for the Indians. I do. I, I, the two squads are 10 and 10 against each other in postseason history, actually. So by that logic, you think it's going to go three games. I'm taking the Indians in two and you know, I have my concerns. I, I'm, I'm not being a homer take here. I just think the Yankees are off. I, and I think that the Indians, if they could take a game one Carrasco, but people don't realize maybe nationally is that Carlos Carrasco's, his stuff right now is as good as it's been. I, I mean, stuff is in a very, very good spot. And I, I just mm-hmm. have a gut feeling on Cleveland riding a little bit of a wave. I mean, look, you make predictions because, you know, it's, it's what we do. It's fun. Um, I, I just have this, this feeling it's that fun. the Yankees, like, I, I don't like the thought that they said, we really don't care where we finish. Like, a week ago, they brought up the point of, like, you know, we, we know we're going to be in the playoffs. We're kind of preparing the team to get in the playoffs. I don't know if that's the way you go about it, especially in a 60-game a season. If it were 162, I get that. But, Justin, I don't I don't know if I like that going in the playoffs. I, I also think if you haven't faced this Indians pitching staff, there's a, there's a chance you could get overwhelmed. And um, I, I just like Cleveland in this series. I do. I, I think they win the series. I'm going to take them in two games. I, I definitely can see your reasoning on that. And and you know what? You actually convinced me to change my thought process. I still have – I have the Indians winning in three. And my original thought process was if the Indians win game one, they're definitely going to win the series. If they, and I said before, if they lose game one, they're definitely going to lose. I thought the winner of game one and, – and that's that's also kind of a cop-out too, right? Because statistically, yeah, if you win game one of any series, especially a three-game series, the percentages do swing in the other team's favor. And I like what you said earlier too about – how would how would Aaron Boone manage a five game series this pitching staff? And there are a lot. I've seen this a lot of places, John. I've seen a lot of people say, "Well, it's a good thing the Indians got the Yankees in a short series; they have a better chance." I disagree. I think what you said earlier makes sense. If in a five game series the Indians starting pitching would swing even heavier in their favor, and I don't think the Indians, they would have a chance to outlast the Indians. It might go five, but there's no chance they they have a chance to stand, stack up with the Indians pitching over a five-game series, especially being no off days. Once once this series is over, don't forget, there's a travel day, yeah. and then you play five games in a major row. Advantage once the ALBS starts. To win a series so, the, I, I do, for sure, because then you can bring Zach Fleissack in game one, and you can have Shane Bieber for game three, because then you have two off days before you start the next series. I don't think the Yankees could get through five straight games to their pitching. I just don't. So I don't think it's advantageous for the Indians to get them early. I think having a shorter series makes it tougher on them. That being said, what you said earlier. You know, you're you're going to keep about, saying things I've said um, earlier and then gosh, things I'm are going to go. Point now. <laughs> I'm just oh, thinking of like, yeah, no. thank you for hopping on my cruise boat. I appreciate it. 
<laughs> you, you've said we've said a lot. <laughs> you've said a lot. We're okay. We're almost hour and a half, and we've said a lot. But no, what you said about this: the Indians have a better no chance. No doubt, I agree I think that. to win Game Two and Three than the Yankees do because because Carrasco, Carrasco and Plesac, I feel more confident in them than the Yankees probably should in Tanaka and whoever the hell is going to pitch Game Three. Like it's going to be a mishmash in Game Three. If you get to a Game Three. The Indians have a ridiculous advantage. I'm sorry. They just do. Um, so that being said, I did say that the Indians, whoever won game one is going to win. But after you convincing me that um, the Indians stand a better chance to win game two and three because of the starting pitching edge over the next few games, I'm going Indians in three. I'm going to stick with three. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to erase my whoever wins game one is going to win the series idea because I think you're right. I think the Indians – if, look, if the Yankees go down 1-0, I think it's over. If the Indians go down 0-1, I think they have a better chance to yeah, come here, back. Here's so, what I'll conclude. I uh, think my official prediction is Indians the in the first round. Too. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that's, it's going to be the best TV. Well, and we're going to have it's you covered. Be the best uh, I'll get the quick promo. Without Six a doubt. o'clock, IBI postseason pregame. Just like our post-game call-in show, but we're going to take your pre-game calls, and we'll, we'll probably talk a lot about what we just did here on the podcast. And then after the game, like we've done after our press conference coverage concludes, which we'll probably, you know, there'll probably be more presser coverage after the game since it is the postseason, but we will eventually get to our, our after-dark post-game show, and we'll take your calls probably tomorrow night. I mean, we'll probably be on until midnight or so uh, here with Playoff Baseball revving up but I, I cannot wait i'm so excited yeah i can't wait john you've done a great job all season long doing this it's going to be a fun ride in the postseason i hope we get a long postseason to do it because i mean as as fun as as i'm happy as i am we had baseball this year for the way things have gone i i couldn't be happy with our indians coverage i know you know we have some bias here it's our it's, it's our site but um, I have to say, I did not expect for how this season was supposed to play out, you know, with, with, you know, no, we don't have access to the stadium, but nobody really does because there's no locker room interviews. It's all done on Zoom, but I don't think our coverage could have gone any better. I think we've had a great season and, and selfishly, I want it to go as long as possible because I've really enjoyed doing well, we'll keep it rolling. with you and Jay Lader, uh, I want so I want to keep doing it as long as we can. Fun and I'm excited here. Uh, tweet at us at official underscore IBI. You'll find all your your quotes there, your pregame coverage, it'll be a lot of fun. At JL underscore baseball for Justin, at John underscore Fanta for me. Can't wait, partner. It's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I'll have the TV on tomorrow afternoon as we're doing this Monday night for Twins and Astros. You know, I, I just – it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be interesting. I actually – I'll uh, yeah. I'll give you – quickly, I'll give you my AL. You know, NL, I'll give you my AL. I'll, I'm going to go with here – I'm going to go oh, with yeah. the Minnesota Twins uh, over the Astros. I, I just think the Astros are, in retrospect, lost uh, from what happened last year. I like the Twins at home. I like them at Target Field a lot more than I uh, otherwise. I think Minnesota gets this playoff series win. Uh, the White Sox are broken, and I think that they have a nightmare matchup. So I'm taking the Oakland A's, although I think that that's if the White Sox can show some toughness, it could be an interesting series. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Oakland A's. And then I like Tampa Bay. Um, and obviously we like Cleveland. So a Cleveland-Tampa 
Minnesota, Oakland. Um, I tell you, if you're a baseball junkie, that's that's fan. That's a really something for a Final Four. I mean, that's Fun a Final Four. very very interesting Final Four teams. If you're a television executive, it's not exactly it's it's not up your alley. But if you like baseball, and if you uh, like pitching, yeah. Whoa, whoa! Do you have a a compilation of pitching? If you have those four teams, that would be really something because the Twins have had great pitching this year. They have. It's gonna, they're going to be a fun team to watch in the postseason. I, I think they have – I don't think the Astros stand a chance in this series. I really don't. I don't think they have the pitching to match up with anybody. I think I think the Astros are going home in two games, if I'm being honest. I, I don't have a lot of faith. I totally agree. Tampa, Indians, uh, Minnesota, and, and Oakland for sure Woo! in the first round. And then Wednesday – Shoot, Wednesday, you've got baseball from noon to, to 10 p.m. I, uh, it's going to be Wednesday's going to be a fun day. I hope the weather in Cleveland cooperates Wednesday for our sake, but yeah, we'll see what happens there. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the backup plan is, honestly. I guess they can push it back a day because there is that travel day that I'm affects taking... whoever wins pitching. Wait, hold on. I want to, um, I'm going to do my NL plans. picks briefly. We'll I'm taking, All right, it's been an hour and a half. Taking the Reds yeah, ahead, over finish. the Braves, Cubs over Marlins. <laughs> Cardinals Same. over Padres. I'm sorry, San Diego. Yes. I'm taking St. Louis in that one. And I've no got, way. I've got no the way. Dodgers over the Brewers, but in three. In three. No. That that could be an interesting series. If if the Brewers get some hitting and they, they have a great bullpen, man. Josh Hader and, and Devin Williams and, and Freddie Peralta <laughs> are great relievers. They could they could really leverage that bullpen. And All right, I'm going. It to could bed. be tough for the Dodgers, but I I, I agree. The Dodgers are in three, but it could be interesting. <laughs> All right, yeah. The busiest man in sports media has had a long day. He's done. This is your second podcast. You've done media availability. You've had Big East commitments. Go to bed because we need you fresh and ready to go for Tuesday night. <laughs> if you made it this far in the podcast, thanks for listening. You must love our voices, or you must hate yourself. We appreciate you listening, <laughs> and we will talk to you Tuesday night. Uh, we'll talk to you Tuesday before the game, Tuesday after the game, and all week. Thanks for listening all season long.